Well, this week, Tuesday, many of us will be giving our loved ones something special in many creative ways, because this Tuesday is Valentine's Day. So if you didn't know that, you're in trouble. How about we thank our Hula ministry, our women, one more time. What a wonderful, wonderful way to express their love for God. This week, over 110 million roses will be exchanged in a time frame of just three days. Valentine's Day is one of the most sought-after days when it comes to floral and boutique shops because that's a time of the year where many people will be exchanging roses. You know, we give our hearts to many things all the time. We give our hearts over to one another all the time. And the good news is that God gave us His heart, and we can do the same thing in exchange. You know, what is interesting is sometimes we forget to give our hearts over to God. We give them over to other things. It is interesting that even sports athletes will give their hearts to God, or they'll give credit to God, win or lose. They'll say, thanks be to God, and then they'll say whatever speech they have. Many songwriters and singers and Musicians will thank God for the awards that they receive. Many people will claim that their faith had something to do with being able to endure hardship. And then there are those that will exchange the word love and use that word often as, as much as they change television channels. We want to talk today about these three things, faith, hope, and love. In your bulletin, uh, you can see that we are continuing our series, Is There More to Life? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Is there more to life? I think when we look at faith, hope, and love, those are three areas that the Bible says that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. We were uh, moving some furniture around in our home and... Uh, we were trying to get this bed into the room. And so we we're trying to, you know, fit it in. And, and because the hallway is there, it's, it's so short. And we we're trying to figure this out. But it's not getting in there. And so myself, my wife Heidi, and my son Jordan, who was, he was little at that time, we're trying to get the bed back into the room. Now, we got it out. So if we got it out, there's a way to get it back in. So we're trying to do this. Now, it's going well for about three minutes. And at that moment, I'm trying to think of another way to fit this thing in. And so we're trying our very best to fit it in the room, and it's not going. And so we try a different angle, and it's not going. And so I'm getting frustrated at this point. And so I say, okay, all you guys have to do is listen. This is what you do. Heidi, all you do is you lift, move, and pull. That's all you got to do. Jordan, (laughs) as small as you are, all you have to do is lift, just pivot, and then push. Okay? And I'll guide everybody in. We tried that. Didn't work. My arm got stuck, got frustrated. We just shoved the thing in, and it worked. Went through. Damaged the bed. It was a little crooked. You know, had to... You know, take care of the walls, a little scraped up and everything like that. Now, I had the faith that we could do this. I hoped it would get in there. But I'm not sure if I did it in love. 
Not quite sure if I did. And we live with these three things every single day, faith, hope, and love. Now, what does that mean? What does the Bible mean when it talks about faith, hope, and love? See, everyone has faith. Everyone wants hope. But very few understand what true love really is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible says it in this way, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I can have all the gifts in the world, all the talents in the world. I can be the most prestigious person, successful as a businessman or woman, well-known, have a high position in my career, even pastor a church. But if you have not love, then I have a lot of action and energy and motion, but no progress or substance in my life. I make a lot of commotion, ripples in the water, a lot of smoke and mirrors. But because there's no love, everything is based on performance with no substance. It continues in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, these three things will last forever. Three things, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now what the Bible is not saying is that faith and hope are insignificant. It's just saying out of those three, the greatest of them is love. See, everyone has faith. Everyone wants hope. But very few understand what love is all about. And when we understand God's love, it allows us to live life on a different level. And we want to learn the importance of having faith, hope, and understand what true love really is all about. Now faith, faith is not positive thinking. Although positive thinking is great, faith is not positive thinking. It has so much more substance than positive thinking. There's, there's something more to faith than just positive thinking. Yeah, but when I look at what's in front of me or my circumstances, I don't have the faith to believe that God can change this or that God can do this. I don't have the faith. You know why? Because we're looking with our eyes when that's not how faith operates. So number one, you can write this in. Have faith in the Lord, not in what I see. Have faith in Him, not in what we see. If we walk by sight in what we see, we will have no faith at all. It's just not going to happen. See, our faith in God is much more than what we see because it's in the spiritual realm. Now, what is faith? What is faith anyway? Is it wishful thinking? Is faith something that just exists to make us feel good? Well, let's look at what Hebrews 11.1 1 says. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Really? So there's, you can have evidence of something that is not seen? How can you have evidence that is not seen? Well, let me ask you this. Can you right now see the foundation that's under you? This cement slab that was poured decades ago. You can't see it. But for some reason, you're on it and you're not sinking. It's there. You have faith that it's there. 
None of you walked in this door. I watched. When you walked in, none of you did this. Open the door and... I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, honey, I don't know. This carpet no look, no look sturdy. Can, 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 can. Come on, you guys, come on, come on, come on, come on. You guys can, 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 you guys can. Nobody came in like that. Every single one of you just walked in. Aloha, yeah, how's it, everybody? Oh, good to see you, God bless you. No one had the non-faith to walk into this building but next week, maybe you might. I don't know. <laughs> now, when you came in, yeah, why? Because you know that there's ground beneath you. You don't have to look for it. You just know it's there. Faith has substance to it. It's not just wishful thinking. It's, there's substance to it. It's a foundation, a substructure that, that has actual existence. That's what faith is. In other words, you know for sure it's there. You just can't see it. God gives us a substance of faith, that which has actual existence. You know what that foundation is? The foundation of faith? It's Jesus Christ. That's the substance. It's in Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without Christ, it is impossible to please God. That's the substance of our faith. That's why faith without works is dead. We need Christ. We need Christ and the faith that the, that the Lord can strengthen my marriage. Faith that the Lord can provide. Faith that He can heal deep wounds. Faith that He can heal the hurts that others imposed on us. Faith that He can give us strength. See, there are three times when Jesus said to His disciples, O oh, you of little faith, Three times that he mentions this. That he mentions to people, Oh, you of little faith. Jesus was telling the people not to worry, that God will take care of their needs, that he will provide for them. And then he says this in Matthew 6.30. He says, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And then he says in another time, when they were in a boat and Jesus was fast asleep and a storm arose, the disciple called him in fear, asking for his help. They're on this boat and, and here, comes this, here comes this storm. And at that very given moment, they're looking at the storm and they're thinking, we're about to die and go bye-bye. And here's Jesus going, nai-nai. And now he's sleeping. And so they wake him up, and Jesus responds in Matthew 8, 26. He says, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a calm. That's the substance of our faith. It's in Jesus Christ. Another time, Jesus comes walking on the water. Talk about faith. He comes walking on the water towards the disciples, and then Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if that's you, then tell me to come out to you walking on the water. Well, Jesus says, come. Peter steps out, and he's walking on water. And he's walking, and, and, and it's the coolest thing in the world. I mean, I've never done it, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty cool. And he's walking. Sharks may be going by. He's like, too bad. You can't get me. And so he's standing on this water. But then he takes his eyes off of Jesus Christ, and what happens? He starts sinking. You know what that tells me? We're always sinking. 
Every single moment of the day we're sinking. But because of the substance of Jesus Christ, He keeps us afloat. We're always sinking. But it's the foundation of the Lord that keeps us afloat. Never take your eyes off of Christ to put it on waves that are always shifting. Keep it on Jesus Christ. He's the foundation in which our faith is built, in which we survive in this world. Jesus immediately in Matthew 14, 31, reached out his hand, stretched out his hand, and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith. Then he says this, Why did you doubt? It's amazing. Distractions can cause doubt in our hearts. When we take our eyes off of Jesus Christ, doubt shows up. He says, you of little faith. You know what that phrase means? Trusting too little. You're trusting me too little. Which means that we have a point to trust God. Like a, like a, almost like a, 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 a certain amount of faith that will only trust God up until a certain point. That's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, you trust God all the way up until a certain point. You trust God up until the point of where you see the waves. You trust God up until you see that your clothes are wearing out. You trust God up until the point where you see that Jesus is not so-called available. You trust God up until a certain point. He said, you of little faith. You only trust God so much. I want to ask you a question. Up until what point do you trust God? Up until what point? Up until what point in your marriage? When you get into a fight? Then you throw the D word? Okay, might as, well, might as well end it all. Might as well end it all. You know what? You know, like, cook, fine. Might as well end it all. Might as well end it all. You know, you know what? Fine, fine. You like watch TV all, all day? Go. Okay, might as well end it all. Might as well. It's like we put our faith into such, such minute things. God says, no, you put your faith in me. Up until what point? Do I trust God? And he says, you have little faith. You trust too little. According to your faith, when Jesus would say that, according to your faith, you're healed. It means that your faith covered the whole extent of the work of God. That there was a respect for the power of God. That that's what our faith really is. When we have faith in God, it's, we're, our, our, whole, our whole faith is built on Him. The full extent of the work of God. That's what our faith covers. We're saying, Lord, whatever it looks like, doesn't matter. Because my eyes are on you. I'm fixed on you. And what you're going to do is going to turn out grand. It's your promises. I, I trust you, not this. I'm not looking with my eyes. I'm not walking by sight. But I'm walking by my faith in you. That's where hope comes in. Now, hope is, is not a feeling. Sometimes we think hope is a feeling. It's like, oh man, I feel hopeful. It can be, it's actually the other way around. We get hope first, then the feelings catch up. That's why, number two, we should put my hope in the Lord rather than my feelings. Put our hope in the Lord rather than our feelings. Because feelings are very deceptive. Our feelings will go up and down. I mean, our feelings, it's, it's fickle. It's it, it changes by the moment. One day you feel happy, one day you're sad. One moment you're happy, one wrong thing, you're sad. You're happy, you watch the news, you're sad. You're happy, you go on Facebook, you're sad. 
it just goes up and down. This morning, someone said, oh, Keanu Reeves passed away. And then it was all over Facebook. And then 10 minutes later, oh, no, it was a hoax. It's like, I wonder what his family was going through. Think about it. Our feelings go up and down. Hope is more than just our feelings. Someone said it like this. There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. There are no hopeless situations. Only people who have grown hopeless about them. Romans 15.4, it reminds us such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us. And the Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. See, when, when you feel hopeless or you feel like there are no other options, get into God's Word because it's the Word of God that will give us the hope and the encouragement that our feelings are unable to achieve. It's the Word of God that will do that. Romans 15, 13, it says that I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God gives us the person of the Holy Spirit to give us hope and encouragement, to give us power to persevere. We've got to get into the Word of God. Hope is the, the joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. That's the hope we have in Jesus Christ. It also means to wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. Yeah, but my hope, I don't know if it's like what the Bible is speaking about. And then, what if, what if I hope for something that doesn't come to pass? Does that mean I hoped for nothing? That I wasted my time in hoping? Well, Hope doesn't mean that you'll get everything you want. It's not what hope is. Hope is not, oh, I hope I can do this. I hope I get this. I hope I get that. And then it doesn't happen. Oh, hopeless. That's not what hope is. Hope doesn't mean I get everything I want. It means you're living with joy and full confidence in the presence. Otherwise, without hope, you'll be living with grief and a lack of confidence in the present time. And you'll be moody all day. Not just from time to time, all day. You just, no hope at all. Even when you get your paycheck, oh, you got paid today. Yeah, but not enough. <laughs> gone already. Before I even get my paycheck, gone. Electric bill went up. Gas bill went up. Hope went down. <laughs> and then, we, because we base our hope on all those things. But that's not what hope is. And we think, oh boy, we, I don't want to hope for nothing. When you have no hope and when, and when you experience things that don't go well or you, you experience even a little bit of grief or pain, when we have no hope, it is exponentially more powerful of a hit than if you had hope and if you were hopeful. So God says, I'm your source of hope. I like this story. A man he was sentenced to death and he was able to delay his sentencing by assuring the king he would teach his majesty's horse to fly within the year on the condition that if he didn't succeed, he would be put to death at the end of the year. And people were saying, that's dumb. The horse will never fly. He says, true, true. But within a year, who knows what will happen? The king may die. 
I may die. Or, or the horse may die. But furthermore, in a year, who knows? Maybe the horse will learn to fly. And I thought, this guy is hopeful. I mean, his reasoning is kind of awkward. But at least he's living with some kind of hope. And at least he's going to live at least a year longer. Now, hope, when we hope in the Lord, it's eternal. These three, three things remain forever. Faith, hope, and love. See, the hope that God gives to us, it's eternal. It's not, it's not just for today. It keeps us going. Someone said it like this. Hope means hoping when things are hopeless. Or it is of no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is merely is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. See, if we put our hope in ourselves, that's really no hope. But when we put our hope in the Lord, at our lowest times, He strengthens us because our hope is in Him. Faith and hope. And the greatest of these is love. What does it mean to love? See, human love has conditions attached to it, doesn't it? It really does. It has conditions attached to it. It has its limitations. But God's love is unconditional. It's a love that we're learning. It's a love that must be learned. And your third point, can you write this in? Exchange my love for God's love. Exchange my love for God's love. Now, it can seem easy to do on a piece of paper. But in order for us to make that exchange, we must first learn what love really is. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now read verses 4 through 8. And it's in your notes. And the Bible says that love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And that's God's love for us. Godly love covers every aspect of life. That's how powerful His love is for us. You see, if if you really want to truly live then you must truly love. And the only way to truly live is to have God's love. Is there more to life? Absolutely. But we must learn how to live. See, it's not a worldly love. It's not the kind of love that is conditional. It's an unconditional love. It's a love that comes from God. That it comes from Him and comes to us and through us to other people. You might think, yeah, but you don't know the family or the environment or the workplace that I'm in. I can give love all day, but oh boy, there's opposition there. There's, there's people that come against me. That doesn't change the fact that God's love is doing something. Did you know that you can make a difference when you love with God's love? One person can make all the difference in the world. One person in the family can change the atmosphere. One person in your workplace can change the whole entire workplace. One person can change a community. One person can change this city, state, nation, and world. Why? Because if God's love is in them, 
It is unstoppable. Love never fails. That's why we have this women's conference coming up. It's called the Power of One. It's discovering God's power in you. So women, I tell you, this will be probably one of the greatest investments that you will invest in your life. Husbands, I'd say this is the one that you would want your spouse to attend. It's not because you're trying to change them. It's because you're trying to bring out the best in them. And I know after service, you probably might, you know, crowd the information center. But do that. Just tell them, I'm signing up. Why? Because you can make a difference. You haven't gone through what you've gone through as a woman if God was not going to use you to make a difference. It's His power in you. Discover that. March 9th and 10th, log that down. It'll be a wonderful, wonderful two-day experience. Why? Because God's love never fails. It's His love that will permeate this entire earth. See, without love, without God's love, you will not be patient. Without God's love or, or his, his, his blessing of love, we won't be kind. Without His love, you will be jealous. Without His love, you will brag. Without God's love, we will puff ourselves up instead of glorify God. Without His love, we become arrogant. We do improper things. We become selfish. We'll be provoked easily. Without His love, we'll begin to keep record of wrongs that have been done to us. We'll enjoy when, it's, when, when evil happens or unrighteousness takes place. And without God's love, we won't rejoice with the truth. We'll crumble in life instead of stand strong. We'll have a weak belief. We become hopeless without His love. And we will not be able to endure much. And at best, without God's love, we fail much. We need God's love. Sure, this week over 110 million roses will be exchanged. But it's a reminder of God's love for us. Did you know that a single rose represents someone saying that... I have a passionate love for you. So be careful who you give roses to that's red. A purple rose says that I will love you forever. Now, some of you already ordered red roses. Just spray paint them blue. Blue and red makes purple. You'll be fine. A single rose says you're the only one. Three roses says I love you. Eleven stems express the thought, I am the missing stem to make the dozen perfect. That's what it means. Three dozen long stem roses means my heart belongs to you. Some of you are saying, no, it doesn't. It means I'm going into debt with three dozen roses. (laughs) But it means something. And, you know, I, I looked at that list and I thought, you know when Jesus was crucified? Remember they wrapped him in that, that robe, that purple robe? And it, it meant royalty, but... But during this Valentine's Day, maybe Jesus knew the significance one day of of that purple rose. That it was His way of saying to all of us, I love you. I will die for you. That's the kind of love God has for us. 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. That's the kind of love Jesus loves us with. 
His love took care of our sins. His love is patient. His love is kind. His love is serving. His love does not keep record of wrong. His love bears all things. His love believes all things. His love hopes all things. His love endured all things. And His love never fails. That's the love of Jesus Christ. Is there more to life? Absolutely. Because our faith, hope, and love is found in Jesus Christ. And when you discover that, you begin to understand the life that God has given to each and every one of us. And who knows what He'll do with our lives. Maybe even change our environment around us that we think is hopeless. When Jesus was with His disciples, He knew what was going to take place. And on the very night in which He was going to be betrayed, He met with His disciples and He showed them the extent of His love. He broke bread with them. And He told them that this bread, this is my body which has been broken for you. And He says, every time you do this, remember me. He took the cup after supper and he said, This cup is a new covenant written in my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He says, Examine your hearts because there's things that he's doing in there that's going to require faith, hope, and love in him. And he can do miraculous things according to your faith, he says. May He not say to us, O you of little faith, that you trusted too little in me. Up until what point do we trust in Him? He says, no, it's a brand new day. It's a new covenant. In fact, we're going to receive communion together this morning. We're going to do just what Jesus did with His disciples. We're going to experience what His disciples experienced when Jesus gave gave them almost His last words on this earth. And He showed them by giving His life what faith, hope, and love was really made of. So go ahead, ushers. You can pass out the juice and the bread and the worship team. is just going to remind us that when we do reflect right now and when we do pray and when we do think about what God is doing in our hearts, that you wouldn't just pray to, to just the air, but you pray expecting Jesus to do something miraculous in here. I ask you to bow your heads as we close in prayer and, and pray to the God of all. Lord God, we're so grateful for your love for us and our faith and our hope that we, when we put it in you, well, it, it does wonders because it's not a faith that is seen. It's not a hopelessness that we feel. It's a hope that we put in you. And above all, you love us unconditionally. And we can only love because you first loved us. Lord, help us to understand your love. Fill us afresh with your love so that we can in turn love others the way you love us. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning. Maybe they've never put their faith in you. Maybe they've been hoping in something else. Hope that things would turn around. Hope that things would get better. Whatever it would be. But today they would understand that you love unconditionally. And if there's anyone here this morning 
that you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, you've never said yes to Him, you've never put your faith in Him, in a personal relationship with Him, I'm going to say a prayer and you can repeat after me and say it, mean it with all your heart. And here's the prayer. Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for dying for my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again. Thank you for loving me. If you just said that prayer, with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, could you just lift a hand real briefly? I want to pray over you and pray for God's blessing over you. Go ahead, just hold your hands up. Good. God sees your hands, sees your hands, sees your heart. God sees your hand. God bless you, you back there. God sees you. God sees your hands. God bless you. God sees your heart. You put your hands down. Lord, I pray for those that said yes to you. I pray, Lord, that that today, with that decision, that they will understand that there is more to life. You've given them a wonderful life to live. And it's not to be lived separate from you because you're the one that, that provides the strength. You're the substance of our faith. You're the one we hope in. You're the one who loves us unconditionally. Others may bail. Others may leave. But you never leave us. You never bail on us. You never abandon us. You always love us. And your love never fails. So I pray your blessing over all of them that said yes to you. And for all of us, Lord, may our faith, hope, and love always be wrapped in you. Thank you for being the one that gave life to us. And we look forward to the beautiful day ahead. In your precious name we pray, and we all said, Amen. Can we congratulate those that said yes to Jesus this morning?